podcast listeners. If you hear my voice right now, I need you to do something for me. I want you to take out your phone or on your computer, go to Apple Podcasts, search for Ask Your Old Head Podcast. You'll see my, my logo, my little picture, my little image there. Find the show. Please rate and write a review. It's a small thing, but it helps others find this work and find what I'm doing here. And it really, really matters, uh, as small as that may seem. So if you could please do that uh, before we get into the show, I very much appreciate it. Thank you for listening. Let's get into it. Peace. Hey, before we get started uh, with this episode, I want to say thank you for sticking with uh, Good Brothers and Ash Head related family of podcasts uh through the ups and downs of our world and life you know we keep the keep this production keep this activity going so i just want to say thank you for listening today we're going to get into some great conversation about uh atlanta afrofuturism a little bit of uh old man rap and uh some other issues so please as always take the best part for yourself thank you for tuning in let's get into it Peace. I'm Justin. My man, Justice. What's going on on a on a, on a Saturday or whatever day this hey, might be? Hey, man. What, whatever day this might be. And if anybody want to give us some money for 10, what day it is, we can say, <laughs> brought to you by Blankety Blank. Right. <laughs> but besides that, let me tell you what day it is. We'll leave y'all in suspense. It's a um, mystery. Nah, I'm, I'm well, my man. I'm well. Word up, word up. So, um... I mean, we'll just jump right in. So we wanted to start off. So this most recent episode, I mean, by the time you hear this, it'll be the episode, it'll be an episode in between. However, the episode that preceded the episode of United States of America, uh, W. Kamau Bell show on CNN, um, they engaged with um, Atlanta, um, Afro, and I think the framing, if I remember, was Afrofuturism. Afrofuturism, yeah. Yeah, and and and, and tech. And, and there was a lot of, like ground covered and even Jermaine actually to our last um, or recent conversation about uh, Charles M. Blow's book. Um, And just generally, I think in line with what has been some of our conversation these last few months with the election and and, uh, the the post-election a little bit around like what's, you know, from things, issues from like, what does success look like? What is outcomes of what, you know, what are, what are people really organizing or, you know, fighting to build um, in the midst of these things? Um, I thought it was a a great topic (laughs) for us to dive into and also to encourage people to, you know, view that episode and, and, and engage with some of the ideas in there. And and I'll, I'll lead off because I think one of the, the big things that, that that the, the episode centered on was the the way that um, sort of the idea that some folks might have that sort of technological advance will alleviate um, you know the racial animus animus is that the right word yep. the, the <laughs> that exists you know within different parts of our society and in our and our and our and our um, you know American experience um, but the Reality being that, um, you know, technology will just perpetuate whatever ideas undergird the people who make the technology. Um, and but not just that, but also the idea of like, 
where do we sit? You know what I'm saying? In the, in, in these, this, this industry that is, you know, right now the, you know, the most valuable companies outside, you know, well, some of the most of the most valuable companies on the planet are tech companies. Um, the area that is seen as the most likely for growth uh, is, is involved in being in working in tech and not just tech. Cause also, you know, the other, you know, sort of science related fields, so I guess I guess to get us moving, what was one of the you know first concepts or something that you saw in there that that you thought was something that should be elevated to to to, to pick apart a little bit more? Well, yeah, I mean, I think the first thing I thought about was to your point around this broader idea of place and success correlated with place, right? Mm-hmm. And you know the role of Atlanta as far as success. Charles Blow talked about broadly the South, um, but within that, you know, for, for, for Black folks and increasingly for, for uh, Latinos, uh, Latinx population, Asians and others, you know, just that broader Atlanta metro area is being seen as somewhere to go to be successful on a variety of levels. And so focusing on this place kind of really brought into view what we were talking about. And it, it just, for me, lended itself back to this constant conversation since Black Panther about this idea of Wakanda mm-hmm. and this idea that if you could, if there was a Wakanda for Black people, where would it be? And then in America, you know, kind of the broader conversation is, well, if it was be anywhere, it would be in Atlanta because of the amount of and this is interesting. This is why I kind of want to talk about this too. The amount of black tech millionaires, mm-hmm. right? Mm-hmm. We're not necessarily saying the amount of workers in tech, right? Right, right. We're not saying the success of black kids in technology. We're talking about the amount of black people who have been really successful and sold multiple businesses in school in HBCUs that have tech. Uh, engagement, and then I guess as a broader context, post again George Floyd and the so-called racial reckoning, which every day we get further and further away from the death of George Floyd. In my estimation, it was less of a racial reckoning and more of an adjustment of racism and white supremacy, because I think we're not reckoning with these things. In fact, many half of the uh, American government. Is damn near acting like January 6th didn't exist. <laughs> the insurrection didn't right, didn't exist, right? And so once people have paid their penance, and, and you know, in our system, you pay your penance by money. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, so it, it, you know, this idea of reckoning, and well, here's what you know, Apple, and here's what different tech companies have done to go to Atlanta because that's where the talent is coming from, which reinforces the idea of that being the place, right? So it's the same kind of idea of Silicon Valley in the sense that there were certain elements at place that made it a place to develop technology, namely Department of Defense um, contracts, which is often a not talked about element of what made Silicon Valley, Silicon Valley. It was multiple generations of, of Department of Defense contracts. Well, here's what makes Atlanta this place where Paul Judge, and others are making millions of dollars. So this is where the tech, this is where black tech is like happening. 
So I just thought that was an interesting space to engage it, but it still was kind of talking about a segment of the population, not, not necessarily the population at large. Right, right. Because that was one of the, I mean, one of the interesting pieces working through it. And I thought that they tried to, or Kamau, or I'm saying they, just as the entire production, to elevate that, you know, as much as, like, one, it's important to talk about these people that are in these different STEM fields, right? Um, so you have folks that are in computer science, folks that are in robotics, folks that are in uh, medical, you know, you know, medical research, um, uh, biology, chemical research um, that were mentioned. Um, the the other brother named Kamau, who's um, more in in the, in, the, in the ethics and policy side of yeah. those matters. And I thought the thing that he raised was just you know the idea that you know you have these industries coming, which there's the potential for you know a new gilded you know sort of age and a gilded you know you know group of people who are sort of like well moneyed and well situated. Um, but that those entities want don't really want you there as owners of the technology. They want you there as to be trained to work within within mm. the in the field of it, and not mm-hmm. necessarily that you're there for um, your own sense of agency or self determination. And 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 so, like while talking about and and I think legitimate work that needs to be done, and those people should be in all the field. I think I talked about like environmental sciences. Um, and, mm-hmm. All like you know what I mean, so they did a, a kind of a full spectrum of the different places where people show up. You know, what I'm saying within that work, and that all of it isn't necessarily what one might frame as like egghead computer stuff. You know, what I'm saying like, oh, you over there typing on that computer? I need to be out <laughs> doing. You know, I need to be working with my hands. You know, what I'm saying like the um uh the the framing of the conversation, though you know, did try to elevate that. Like some of this stuff we're talking about. Is not thing are not things that everyday people are able to to benefit from necessarily, depending on how they're already situated. Although they're impacted by all of this technology, all of these systems, and you know, and how they're organized, um, and 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 that you know, and I think that's some of the tension. In in and in my opinion, the 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 soft spot in in I, what I feel is the common class analysis is this place of like these people have these means. So therefore they exist here. These people that don't have means exist here, but there's no, there's no confluence point where, where you're talking about that, like to improve either persons or, or to, to change the conditions that those people all are operating in. Like there's different skill sets and different presences is going to be required of both, whatever that, you know, if you're creating a highly polled sort of thing, like people that are in the streets and then people that are not in the streets and people that are in science, right. and people that are in trades, like these hard lines that I don't know if, I don't know if for most of us family, even family wise, you would, you could hold up to uh, like a, if you started making a table <laughs> and you were like, I'm gonna put my family that's in this field type of field over this side of the page and put family that's in this side on it. Like for most people, I think you you wouldn't go too far before you started putting people on the line mm-hmm. in the middle. <laughs> right. <laughs> kind of like, well, they were in this and and, and so on. And I was speak, thinking about that specifically, you know, when the brother raised that like 80% of, <laughs> of ninth graders, like were not, uh, black ninth graders were not able, not able to, or not or likely not able, not, so I might misquote it, to do ninth grade algebra. Right. 
Well, and, and that's and, my point. I mean, that, that elevates that elevates this conversation. Like that, this place is a mecca for black tech for a variety of different reasons. But the vast majority of children who are born in Atlanta, black children who are born in Atlanta, will never get to benefit from the boom. Mm-hmm. You see what I'm saying? So it, it ends up looking like other industries, and that and that's no fault of the people who are succeeding. Right. right that is. Right. Yeah. yeah. So it's not like a blame game. That is the systems are not set up to perpetuate that except but to continue to bring people from other places to Atlanta to be successful. Some of them whom will positively impact the city and region. Mm-hmm. But the vast majority of black children born in Atlanta and in the region will not be able to go to Morehouse. I mean, they may be the new program they have. They may be able to engage in that one, but they will not be engaged in this tech boom. Right. And so it shows it mimics the broader concept of tech, which is like different. I think it's the same, but it's also different than many of the industries prior is that it makes some people really, really wealthy. Mm-hmm. But the vast majority. the because it's only people who are in like the space Mm -hmm. you know what i mean and so i think it it just reinforced that concept and again it wasn't that people aren't trying to engage it's that the systems that have a confluence even in this wakanda of sorts still are producing the disparate outcomes and so how do we make sense of that when looking at this black exceptionalism in deep and trying to deeper engage in this black exceptionalism of this great stuff that is happening with this larger world? And also kind of touching on that the tech, I, you know, the, the inferences beside, behind who does it reinforces the, the issues we have in our country, right? And so getting into the ethics of the AI, getting to the ethics of the algorithms, right? How do you make sense of that while also saying to people, you need to be a part of this industry, but acknowledging also that the industry as it is currently constructed um, reinforces, to your point, the broader issues in society. You know what I'm saying? So... Yeah, and I, well, and I think it's um, because one of the one of the the bits when when he was meeting with the the sisters and they were talking about the like the coding skills and like how one you know gets does does that work you know there was there was a very strong tone around sort of and something I think we would we would definitely be familiar with because it was not much different to me it, it didn't ring too much different from the time frame when we were finishing high school around like oh go into engineering go into uh you know computer science you know go to college and do this kind of work or that kind of work and the same aspects of like oh someone that's in the work you know to 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 kind of give you the confidence to stay involved and then when you're on campus uh, if you go to a school, you know, people there kind of being in, in position to, to make it, make a space for you to, to keep working. So you don't leave, you know, leave the field, so to speak. Um, you know, not so much due to the, to, to the rigor or challenge of the work, but just due to the overall environment that you're doing the work in. Right. Um, 
you know, you know, I'm, I'm not gonna do the like how far haven't we come that we're still <laughs> going through that because you know my 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 focus on these things is that we have the world is a is a is is a constantly developing reality and you have to be in it like and and there's not like an end point you know what I mean where it's like now we fixed it and now it's done it's like no we keep working on it and we have to like build out the 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 culture so to speak that that um that drives that this is the way you know whatever that vision we have but the the thing that i kept seeing or was thinking about while watching it was like and something that we've talked about on other episodes another time just like what's how are we shaping a shared vision around how this should work because we we can acknowledge we can see where the fracture is right like if you are um you know black anywhere in america and you're in the in the, in the certain fields and you know when and, and once you get to that certain that basic competency where you would be you know able able to play in those spaces you can look at all those things, all of these companies and whatever they're doing in Atlanta look like opportunity, right? They look like nothing but opportunity. But if you're outside of that sphere, it's like, uh, shoot, those jobs might as well be, they might as well be saying, let's all turn into submarine operators because I can't do that either. I don't, I don't have any entry point <laughs> into this work. So there's a, there's, a, there's a potential to develop the same sort of dynamic that happens in a lot of cities where you have... Um, skilled qualified talented as you might say or whatever black people who you know can kind of go all around the country to different opportunities if they're willing to what move and for the local community where they might show up and then be like oh they you know the, the health department of sheboygan wisconsin i don't know if sheboygan's in sheboygan is in wisconsin Okay, got a health department, but and I don't know if there's a significant black or, community. But or, if there or was, the county, or the county, the county of whatever Sheboygan is, yeah, yeah, there it is, right? And they go, oh, well, we gonna, you know, we hired this person. They're they're well, they're they're you know seasoned veteran of, of public health administration, and da, da da da. And the black people there might look and go, they done found some other out of town Negro to, to you know, what I'm saying to come in here and and administer us, so to speak, and and. I don't know how we improve on in terms of our own narrative, like how we talk about black mobility, you know, and when there are black people who quite frankly have exceptional skill sets, right? I was just in a conversation this week and, you know, and I think it's accurate, but you know, somebody told me like there's 150 black lawyers in the state of Oregon, in the whole state, right? So, Wherever any one of them 150 lawyers show up, they are probably, I mean, you know, I don't know how many lawyers there are total, but even, you know, so you're already dealing with a subset. And then you're dealing with a subset of a subset. And so when you start talking about, well, you need someone that has all the qualifications and the skills, right, to do certain work, if it is, if it's only a handful of them, <laughs> it doesn't mean that, you know, you, I guess you need to seed authority and all lead, leaders, you know, all the, uh, thought around whatever that work will be but you do have to acknowledge that we have to find a way to make sure we access this person's abilities and skills to serve whatever the whatever the work that needs to be done but they're going to show up in the space in, in, in a pretty likely in a place where they have an imbalance you know compared to you know the, the peer group or whatever of knowledge and an imbalance of experience 
And then with that, probably in the balance, like their expectations of what the hell they should be compensated, what they should be doing, and then even how they feel about it so far. Um, I know here there's people that come through, you know, because of the, the various tech companies here that are black and they come through. Some of them like it. Some of them love it. Some of them totally, they go, oh man, I can't wait. I'm here, but I can't wait to get out of Portland. You know what I'm saying? Because they're like, and I always think to myself, they probably know, especially with their skill set in the industry and industry that they're in, there's some place that they could probably go that they would like more <laughs> from a comfort and lifestyle, quality of life perspective than living here. You know what I'm saying? And I don't know if there's any, you know, one thing that we could do. And, and I think in terms of what we're looking at, you know, in the next 20 years, Atlanta is barring something else happening is going to be the hard draw, right? Like, I think it's only going to be, it's only going to grow over the next 10 years. I think, you know, of like, you know, other companies being built, other entities coming into place where they might be able to hire, you know, 700 people, 800 people. You know what I mean? And, and I think that's the, the, the level of when you're talking about trying to have a, like a, a broader impact, I think that's the level of, you know, attraction that you need but what does that mean for other places that want to either keep or develop their own sort of local wakanda like if 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 there's such a drawing power you know to this city you know at a wrapped in a beltway berthed at the crossroads of some trains in 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 northern georgia it's right um, well i I want yeah because i think that's one is this idea of what, going back to something you all often talk about, which I think is, is really insightful, is what are we going to do, right? What did we decide to do? And so in a sense of, you know, Atlanta, I think, is an interesting space that is the result of two implicit and explicit compromises. One, with Booker T. Washington, the Atlanta Compromise of the late 1800s, early 1900s, which was explicitly, listen, leave us alone over here to get busy. Mm-hmm. Y'all go over there and keep doing that shit y'all doing, right? Which birthed a business that is different than any other place in America. I think mm-hmm. partly due to that agreement, right? It also, from that agreement, birthed those schools, it birthed civil rights leaders, it birthed economic leaders that went along with those civil rights leaders, right? Mm-hmm. Which then made it ready for what I would call the second agreement with Maynard Jackson and post Maynard Jackson, which was the business class understood to cede power to the political, the black political class of Atlanta. Mm-hmm. And they would work in harmony, right? So as long as the white business class and the black political class could engage with each other, then they, you know, they would move forward. And so those two compromises, plus the natural benefits of cheap land, and I mean, there's just a whole host of stuff, right? That like it, that place has benefited from and continues to benefit from, which will make it a Wakanda, which will make it that mobility really interesting but one thing is true in this day and time black mobility in the south is really difficult mm-hmm. the mobility from west from west to south from north to south from midwest to south is really easy especially for people 
again, with, with portable skills. Right. The mobility in the South is difficult right now, and the mobility from the South to somewhere else, unless you have skills, is very difficult. So watching that, but then in the same time seeing uh, Mayor Lance Bottoms, who decides not to run for a second term, largely influenced by a post-COVID crime wave. Mm-hmm. Right? Now, let's be real. The people in this post-COVID crime wave is the people, the same people who 80% of them <laughs> can't do algebra. Mm-hmm. Paul Judge and all these people ain't the ones sp- sparking the crime wave. Right. So even in this conversation, what we want to do for each other and what systems we control to identify how we want to, as a collective, us to exist was the underpinning to me of the of the show. While I and I appreciate them bringing it to bear for the rest of the world, because this is kind of inside baseball for black people. Right. And uh, you know, but what they was doing was showing the entire world what most Black folks over 30 already know, which is Atlanta is this kind of place. Here's what's happening. And the culmination of things that make Silicon Valley what it is for, for white folks, that makes some parts of Boston what they are for white folks, that makes Atlanta what it is for white folks too, which is important to remember. That's not because in the, in the if you if you compare white folks is getting paid off tech versus black folks, then it becomes a whole different conversation, even in Atlanta. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. But in Atlanta, there is an infrastructure that allows black folks to be successful. And I think that's sometimes part of our conversations of what is the infrastructure for all of us to be successful in a place? And if you don't have the infrastructure, are you creating it so that black exceptionalism or black excellence, as we now call it, is an option and an opportunity that's open to everybody. So when we say STEAM, STEM or STEAM or SCREAM or whatever, you know, <laughs> whatever they, <laughs> oh, yeah. Yeah, yeah. you know what I mean? Like whatever the terms, script, whatever the terms are now that we're looking at regarding science, technology, math, and all these things, we know that there are great people in the black, brown, indigenous community who have done these things, we also know that there's an extreme disconnect in that a lot of these folks, same folks I'm talking about, are the users versus the co-creators of the same technology. But at the same time, where is the pathway? And not not betting to what you said earlier, because we both went to school of engineering, right? Mm-hmm. Clearly, our our talents and skills laid somewhere a little different. Almost thirty years later, we clearly see right. We got like shout out to Tommy Wu. We got like one person that's that's an engineer. Oh, yeah. class. Birdie too. Birdie, I think. Birdie, Birdie, yeah, Birdie, yeah. I think Birdie, Birdie did too. <laughs> so two people from a class like thirty people who were engineers. So clearly, it was the conversation. Some of it was was a supply and demand when they told us that those jobs were open, then we act like we were going to be engineers, acknowledging that a lot of us had other skill sets, right? And that we didn't have some of the context of what it would be to be an engineer once you got to a different place. So, you know, again, I think that decision-making, but also it's good for CNN to project 
the realities that we already know, but the exceptionalism of us figuring out, you know, this kingdom of black exceptionalism still being challenged with all the other things that challenge other places. How do we think about individually resolving that? And then collectively um, being like, okay, there's no one, there's no one industry that's going to be a savior, right? If anything, mm-hmm. we've learned yeah. when our people came from the South, came from the West Indies, the people that were already here, however you want to frame it, when people came, there was industries. So whether it was out, out your way with timber and aviation, whether it was steel here, whether it was textiles in the Philadelphia area, right? Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. People came for industry and did well in one generation. But very few of them, those industries were two-generation family-sustaining uh, industries. Yeah. Right? So history tells us that it's almost like it ain't going to be there forever. Capitalism kind of builds and destroys, so to speak, relatively fast, especially yeah. global capitalism. So just, right. just, just us understanding that and not being caught in the flavor of the month about an industry that's going to make you okay, but looking at the long-term internal infrastructure that propels people to be successful in a variety of industries. Yeah. Now, and I want to build on that because I think there's like there's 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 a there's a thread in within the show, and I understand it. And although I don't understand it for myself, because I, I I struggle with especially people in our community that constantly are like, "Well, we we do that." What you know, fill in the blank with whatever the thing is. Because I'm all, I, I just remember being very young, going, "Yeah, why wouldn't I mean if if there if if people eat food, why wouldn't there be black people that cook it?" Like if people ride bikes, why wouldn't there be black people that know how to fix a bike? Like whatever the thing you could think of that you would be like, and I don't know, I don't know if there was some, you know, magical pod of blackness that I existed in. I don't know if I just didn't ever get any. It's called it's called Willingboro, just yes. That was that was that was the second stage. That was the second stage. I'm saying from the earliest nuggets of of justice looking at something and saying oh yeah we should be doing that like you know okay I, it's I, called trenton okay go ahead you know what <laughs> but i mean what i'm saying trenton is you know trenton makes the world takes but you know trenton's a special kind of place <laughs> in many ways i just but also i know my my own peers that i realized at times my own peers who were there next to me at the same time have that sense so i, I you know i sometimes do a bit of autobiographical digging to try to understand like did did people just not you know basically I, they just let me think what i whatever i thought they didn't tell me you know did i somehow avoid the like look here little black boy you're gonna do this this or this that's all you got you know did, did i avoid all of those conversations somehow because i'm not ever i'm 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 delighted when i find out about you know somebody, oh, this person he's a research scientist so he's the you know he's the biggest construction company you know third biggest construction company in this state is you know a black man owned by a black family or something like you know whatever thing you don't know exists right i'm more surprised and happy than like dumbfounded like how did they do that you know what I mean? i'm like well they did it by doing it you know what i mean I, you know like and you know that might be just as physics thinking. I don't know what it is. Well, I'm I think part of it, it, part of it is I think, especially in this time, there's a conversation around. We have to talk about the fact that 
black people are human. <laughs> so we yeah. have to be like, look, they're human. Look what happened. They actually do stuff like the rest of us, right? Like where, right. especially if you came up in a certain time, up until a certain place, you never questioned if these things existed because again, our humanity was not defined by the external landscape. And I think that's important because I think in this day and time, there is a premise that our humanity must be reinforced by television. Our humanity must be reinforced by radio. It must be reinforced by L'Oreal versus you got Ebony Fashion Fair. I'm just using that for an example. So you know black people are beautiful. They right, got a whole, right. they got a whole big ass thing that, you know, like, okay, you know, you know, black women, quote unquote, are shapely. That's what you got, jet centerfolds. Like, you know, you, you know, you know, you know, you know, everybody just understand it. It existed. I'm not trying it was to, a thing. It was, it, it was, it was, it was a, a thing. Long, it was a 50, 50, 60 year thing. If I'm was, right, right? Exactly. So, like, it was a long thing. It wasn't, it wasn't, it wasn't a short, a short thing. thing. It was a long thing. <laughs> before everybody the videos, there was a pit. Before the videos, it was a centerfold. <laughs> Right before you could just watch people dance around in the video for four minutes, you just had to look at someone take a picture. So, so I think there was a place where whatever was going on outside, it was a reinforcement of blackness and of humanity mm -hmm. in this larger world, especially as a lot of those instruments have gone away. We're now looking at larger systems to reinforce that humanity. Mm -hmm. And I think there's ups and downs with that, right? I still yeah. think it's kind of like this idea, yeah, you can go to school anywhere you want to, but that doesn't mean HBCUs don't deserve to exist and flourish. Right. Right? Like, so it's not a either or. It's a both and. But with a lot of our institutions, think about our magazines, newspapers, you know, e events, right? In every city in America, there was a Black event. It was a Black event or every region in America was in something that multiple black people knew you was gonna go to, to reinforce, you're gonna see people twirling and dancing, you're gonna see uh, African dance, you're gonna go get certain food. A lot of times <laughs> in certain cities now, that stuff is gone. Yeah, yeah. Right? And so I just think up until a certain place, that was just reinforced. And also going back to our point from last time, up until the last 40 years, most of us lived amongst each other. Mm -hmm. So there was a density of sorts. Obviously, we had people who always were living different places, but whether it was rural, suburban, or urban, Black folks lived in close proximity to each other. So mm -hmm. that reinforcement, and that's what I was saying about Willing Brown and Trenton, in some ways, in jest, but in some ways, in reality, like, yeah. you know, it, it was something when we used to talk about there was a Black suburb. Right, when you used to talk to people and we used to go play tennis at the Will and Grow Tennis Club, right? Mm -hmm. And they used to say that everybody here is black. Right? When it was like, we know it's black neighborhoods and we know it's nice black neighborhoods in Philadelphia. But we didn't know there was a whole black suburb. But I mean, honestly, I'm thinking about it. It was Willingboro and you had Lindenwald that was mostly black, right? Mm -hmm. uh, Lawnside. Right. Outside, yep. Sicklerville. Sicklerville. So, so, so I'm just saying there were certain things that were normalized for us that I would argue for generations of young people today are not part of like what's built into their personal experience. And so Atlanta mm -hmm. in some ways becomes 
this larger kingdom of blackness, yeah, right? Yeah. Where before we had, you could argue, you could look at DC as one of them. You look at, you know, depending on what you knew, you knew Newark was a chocolate city. You knew Atlanta mm-hmm. was the, that kind of place. You saw Harlem and parts of Brooklyn as that, like you saw the South Side of Chicago with his own kingdom of blackness, right? Mm-hmm. Now, when we talk about it, you know, when we talk about this kingdom of blackness, we're talking about Atlanta. So it's, it's an interesting, I think, transition that we reinforce. That black culture reinforces and then following it, I think white culture reinforces, oh, yeah, Atlanta. Because yeah. it makes sense for them to say that is where everyone's graduating HBCUs, right? <laughs> that is where all the black people are moving that have these skills. It makes financial sense for, for Tim Cook to move to Atlanta. Right? Mm-hmm. It makes it makes financial sense for Tim Cook to move to Birmingham, Alabama. Like these things are not just moral imperatives, they're actually economic imperatives. Where they're smart to figure out. But the, the thing is, do we figure out that these are the reasons? And then what does that mean for our broader communities not to just have this one? Remember a time it was like, even though it wasn't always in a cool way, people talk about Detroit, Motor City, Motown, right? Mm-hmm. Couldn't see no, no white people in <laughs> seven miles, eight miles, <laughs> right? <laughs> like, like Beverly Hills Cop or something, right? Right. <laughs> so, but we had these mythical ideas. They've largely been replaced all by Atlanta. Right, right. That's the only city that regularly gets spoken of in, 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 in the terms of it being like, this, I mean, just a place where, you know, even with whatever uh, not great things that are going on that, but the larger narrative is that Black people have a level of power there right. and influence, um, whether that be economic or political or both. And um, and an ability to, 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 you know, to generate, you know, as like social capital, you know what I'm saying, where your relationships and your connections actually can have a return on like how you live in a way that I think in other places people it exists, but it's the scale is different. Um and, and that's so you know touching back to where I was going with that was that like you know so I'm always sort of thrown off a little bit when people are on the like oh I didn't even know that people did that. I'm like okay but you know so I, I know that's a justice thing I have to I have to let that go. The the other side of it too though then is, is the like what's the frame and 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 understanding a reason around like do we do we understand the inputs that are creating this circumstance you know and are we are we finding a way to talk about them um you know like yes the 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 the, the, the universities there are a big part of it <laughs> um even the 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 frame what you brought up you know, mean in terms of the, the the Booker T Washington compromise and the structure that you did have you still have a enough of a structured group of people, however folks feel about them, that can undergird some economic activity. Meaning you might be able to find an investor for whatever, any kind of business, you know, whether it be a tech business, uh, trades, you know, uh, services, entertainment, whatever. Um, there is something there. It, it, the, the, the challenge always... W- with us as a community in terms of of, of, of broad change is, is is the scale big enough is it enough people um 
but there's something in there that in in the story too that I wanted to at least have us ponder because there there so when he gets to the family with the, with the young man that's that's uh, already at Georgia Tech you know what I'm saying at 12 years old and like you know I thought they actually did a nice like kind of threading of the needle to sort of like talk about like what are you doing in your house <laughs> with mm-hmm. your kids. Right, but like trying to do it in a way that wasn't like, well, if y'all was taking time like this family, your kid would be at Georgia Tech too. You know, suck rocks with your terrible life. Like I felt like he tried to like center that there's, uh, and then it even came up when the sisters that was doing the environmental uh, water testing and all that and her talking about, you know, we used to come in this park to play and these other things, you know, but because this other stuff exists, this place that it was already a part of my world, I'm, I'm back in it, but in a, in a different way. <laughs> Right, because someone created a space for me to like further my own life and my interests, but then still do it in something that actually serves where I live. Um, so, so I think about like, um, you know, I've been wrestling with this idea of like stewardship versus ownership of certain things, and mm. and, and like, do people see themselves, you know, and probably is a in some ways a, a reinterpretation because they did speak about a lot in that piece, sort of like the expectation if you did ascend to whatever exceptional heights, you know, what I'm saying within the structure of America that you had an obligation to like find some kind of way to share that <laughs> with other people, like it, you know, whether that be tactical meaning. Um, so I've been, you know, almost through uh, uh, forgot forgot the girls that consider politics and yeah i'm talking about like you know trying to put in place like if somebody had 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 the had the skills or you saw them try to like all right let me get you plugged into some opportunities you know what i'm saying so you could keep moving um you know now that gets into you know we can get into like are you moving in something that is is helping or not helping <laughs> in the long run i don't know but i i think it's important to acknowledge that in terms of human behavior that people were always being recruited into these d- different worlds that we see them in. And, and I say that because I was thinking about when when the brother spoke about the education and training. And typically we will look at like like right now, I think and I and I and I'll I'll own that I'm biased against the idea when people are anti, you know, deeper education. Um because I think people are silly if they think we're gonna build a new world, but ain't nobody gonna learn nothing or everybody going to have quote unquote street knowledge, <laughs> right? Now, let me tell people my in particular street knowledge. Street knowledge to me is about the social understanding, the social dynamics of how to find resources within the social context that we live in, which may involve the gray economy directly or tangentially, meaning maybe you ain't selling drugs, but you sell shirts to dudes that sell drugs. <laughs> right? <laughs> maybe, maybe you're not in involved in um how do you say uh prostitution and various other things but maybe you create invi- entertainment spaces that the people who are involved in fr- frequent right like so you're you know maybe you serve mm. food maybe you do any number of other things that actually engages that population and but also understanding that there's opportunities that can be made money wise based on social dynamics right so because you're on a corner and you know what's going on like, oh man this is about to happen let me let me do this do that right and that, that's a very it's an important skill set is an understanding how to navigate a community in a neighborhood, but there's just as much training <laughs> in that world as there is training in people going to college or going into the trades and, and are sold a framework of how they're going to be successful that may not have the time horizon that they think they're going to have. 
Meaning they're well, like, oh, no, you can go out here, you can hustle and get this money for nine or eight years. And then <laughs> you're going to hit a roadblock either called death or jail. You know, well, you can go out here, you know what I mean? Like, I, I worry that we we set up this space where these we're learning, being fully grounded in something so that you know how to take care of yourself and create opportunities is like bifurcated. And you can't, you know, you got to pick one or the other. And I, I worry about that. I, I, so, I think it's- so I think there's two things there. There's two things there. One, I think I'm going to touch on the last thing first and the first thing second. Mm-hmm. What, we, what we're talking about there is a particular set of skills that, again, going back to our density conversation, mm-hmm. most of us or a good number of us have proximity to someone who had street knowledge. Mm-hmm. by proximity of density, right? Even if you was going to school every day, listen, <laughs> Michelle Obama was hanging around with gangster disciples and four corner hustlers and vice lords <laughs> by the virtue of she was going to school in Chicago, right? right. Arnie Duncan, best friend was R. Kelly. You take that from what you may. <laughs> Like, they played basketball together. Okay, we're both two really good basketball players, right? Right. I'm using Chicago in that example as a everyone had proximity to street knowledge, right? Mm -hmm. We're in this bifurcated world where now, because of the lack of density and because of, uh, you know, those changes, kind of demographic changes, which we're forced to create and support one over the other. When again, up until a certain amount of time, all of us had access to all of it. Mm-hmm. So you would be like, okay, yeah, you already know I got a cousin or uncle or aunt that's aware of the street knowledge and may impart on you a certain degree of street knowledge. So we don't have to make distinctions between it. You know what I mean? Right. Like, because it's everywhere. And you are getting education in order to change your conditions and the conditions of your community. Right. Now we're making these distinctions because I'm going to say, because white folks are forcing us to make the distinctions on what is appropriate knowledge in our interactions with each other. Mm. Whereas we already had these distinctions. We already knew the proximity. And so, yes, there are some people who have, this kind of knowledge in this, what you would call, like you're saying, short-term kind of engagement, right? But everyone mm-hmm. knew the limitations of that. It's white folks yeah. that started saying, well, we got to elevate this. You don't have to elevate it. It's already implicit in most of our lives to know survival techniques mm-hmm. that can aid to success, right? They weren't, they weren't the end game they were the beginning of the game. The second thing I want to say is it's about the race man and race woman, right? Mm-hmm. What you talked about at first was this idea of who is the person that no matter how well they do, their job is to give back to their communities, right? Mm-hmm. All of our elected officials up until a certain point in, in Black America were seen as race men or race women. All of our preachers were seen as race men or race women. If you was a social worker, if you were a teacher, I mean, that was the greatest compliment someone could bestow upon you to say you are a race man or a race woman. 
Mm-hmm. There is, again, going back to this exceptionalism, people are not required to be race men or race women. And we can have a discussion, is that okay or not? Right? I'm not making a judgment. Mm-hmm. But people are not required to be race men or race women. Meaning, it doesn't mean you always become a social worker to be a race man or race woman, right? Or race person. You might give money to good to good causes, and that's how you show you are a race woman or race person or race man, right? Mm-hmm. That is missing out the conversation, so that when we're talking about doing these things and being successful, you could choose to want to give back, but for every person he showed that was a race person on that show, there's a hundred people in tech that have chosen not to be. And that's, I'm not even making a judgment on it. But what right, I'm saying right, is right. that is the missing part of this exceptionalism. You see what I'm saying? Or now you can be a race person via Instagram uh, quotes or via a blackout or via, um, you know, caring for Micaiah Bryant. You see what I'm saying? Like now that proves that you're a race person versus the broader vision of how do you contribute and talk about the future of black people, right? And so I think that that's a huge, huge part of it that we don't have that con- that dialogue, that conversation is not a part of our regular interrogation of our direction, right? And so, yeah, I just think um, that those two things, one, man, we, you know, the street knowledge and that being elevated, man, that stuff comes out of these schools where they talking about you want to elevate street knowledge. It is already there. Like, I, I don't, you know, yes, well, people had that. My, well, my thing is, if, if we're going to elevate it, we got to gotta speak to the details and the inner workings of it, not like it just adds this amorphous body of knowledge that no one could truly understand. I'm like, right. Or where it came from, or the fact that this is a survival <laughs> technique. Don't, don't frame this as some sort of thing that exists. that just popped up out of nowhere. It exists because people had to survive in situations because of systems. Right. And you, right. and if you want to elevate it, cool. But also understand that that does not, uh, to your point, Getting training or being a person that is aware of the world doesn't substitute the fact of knowing how to clean wastewater systems. Now, right. whether that means via you went to college for it or you just been studying wastewater systems for 20 years, right? I'm not making a judgment. I'm just right, saying right. there is an actual applied skill of mastery mm-hmm. that you need as a community versus this idea of like, no, no, no. So don't worry about black folks. Just get, get you know, get you a skill because plumbers make $90,000 a year and they do. But the question is, if everybody went to school to be a plumber, are they still going to make $90,000 a year? And the answer is no, because if it's a glut of plumbers, then they're not going to make $90,000 a year because you don't need their skills because there's a whole bunch of them. Right. There's mad, there's mad plumbers everywhere. <laughs> exactly. It's like, right. And then you get into other things where maybe you start trying to corner the market on plumbers and stop other people from being plumbers so that you're the only plumbers available. But I'm not going to bring up nobody's name on that. I'm just going to say that's something <laughs> that happens sometime and we're going to keep it pushing. You know what I'm saying? Like the idea that, you know, whatever our skill sets that we're promoted, pushing people to to get in order to get an outcome that you understand that they still operate within a system of other decisions and choices and factors that are, that may not be related to any poor choice on your part 
could create a circumstance where what you're really good at is no longer very valuable, at least not in the way that it once was. And therefore, if all of your your planning and vision was was predicated on like this is going to remain valuable, then you know it's going to be like uh, you might need to figure out what's the what's the, what's the pivot. You know what I'm saying? You got to have pivots. You know what I'm saying? I think and I, and I think our community historically has always had people that like that, that to me is more what they was advocating. It was like, nah, man, you, you like, all right, man, you, you, you got a good job at that factory and that's a dope factory job and they pay well. You better have a plan for that factory clothes. You know what I'm saying? So like over here, I do this or I, I rent a room in the back of the crib or we, you know what I'm saying? We got this other thing. We make dinners on Fridays. Right. You know what I mean? Whatever number of other activities, you know what I'm saying? You know, or I, I'm, I do handyman work also. So I work at the factory, but also, you know what I'm saying? I can fix your pipes. I can do like a lot of basic, you know, these entry stuff that you might need fixed at your crib. I, I can do that. You know what I'm saying? And I, you know, and, and I work with, with work with the people in my community to do it at a rate, at a level that they can afford, but also that I can, you know I mean? Um, I can use my skills. You know what I'm make, saying? And make some money. <laughs> yeah. And as I like to say, like I said, because my overall advocacy is that, I'm, I'm, people need to be as skilled as possible and as many things as possible. And you need to spend time. If you ain't got nothing to do, spend time learning how to do something, whatever it is. Like, you know, it, it doesn't need to be the, the, the hot topic of the day. Um, and I, and I thought though, like I said, I, they, I thought they def, they did a pretty good job of like trying to say like, yeah, like we know we put a lot of like, basically as parents, those two parents, like, look, yeah, he's, he's a talented, smart little dude. We put a lot of time it little dude accelerating <laughs> that way. Like he didn't just like magically start talking to us. And we were like, you know, cause that's what we, a lot of times we, we get sold the idea that people are intelligent cause of some, you know, some magical shit that happened. And I'm like, well, you know, there's some, there's, there's some, maybe some predetermined factors, you know what I'm saying? But you know, my experience has been usually somebody was, was doing something <laughs> with the little person, you know what I'm saying? And they, they saw the response, right. And then they kept building on it. So then it, it grew, it got stronger, it got better, it got it moved faster. You know what I'm saying? And you know, the number of little little peoples out here that they when they show they spark spark a genius, so to speak, and somebody tell them to go sit down because you know, go sit down and go or go outside to play or go get the hell up out my face because whatever's happening. You know what I'm saying? Like, you know, I think we all can um I know I can speak to the I'm laying down right now, which means, all right, mom, I'm going to go save this smart thing I was thinking. I'm going to save that for myself <laughs> and save that at a later date because obviously you're not really interested in talking about that right now. You know what I'm saying? No shade to my moms, you know what I'm saying, or anybody moms because it's like, you know, sometimes folks is tired. And I think, um, you know, what, well, and I think maybe to bring, you know, this aspect to a close, we pivot to the closing of the closing. You know, I think the, I think it's a dope little piece and a nice building snapshot um, that I hope folks would add to, would take a look at and think about, you know, how are we thinking about like future industries, current industries, right? Because there's also aspect in there around critiquing the tech industry, right? And and having what we need to be able to go, hey, 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 like I know y'all over there with your with your with your with your, with your Harvard degrees and and MITs and all that, but that don't mean that you know everything. That that you're just you know you're clean as a whistle as it pertains to the outcomes and how this stuff affects us, and you need to listen to the people who may be using your products and your services. You know what I'm saying? And and you know lose your paternalistic thought that just because you coded it that you you couldn't there's, there couldn't possibly be an error. It's like no, there, there's definitely possibly an error because you're the only one that made it. 
And you know, you ain't ever been, you know what I'm saying, down of, you know, well, I, I, I'll ask, have you been down any of the MLK's avenues or boulevards anywhere in America? Because I'm sure you'll find one with some of us on one who might be looking at your app like, who thought this was a good idea? This is, I mean, I like this part of it, but this part is some bullshit, right? Like these, this is very, you know, basic understanding, I think. And then the other aspect of, um, and this, when I went back and looked at the episode from last year about farming and there was a, a thread in there and both of those storylines around like preparation right of young people but also like what people tried to set up for you and and the challenges how hard it is to transfer anything of value that we as a community create to our, our next generations like it's really hard for us to protect the things that we build mm. and and i think we we miss that sometimes you know there's a whole thread of thought this day and i've seen it with difference of like this like my generation's different stuff and the and we ain't, you know, basically stuff that to me that implies that you thought that some of our elders was on some sucker shit, like they were scared to fight, so to speak. And I ain't saying people individually, some individuals, but in the general sense, you know, folks fought the city system the best way they could for the most part in the times that was their time. And so I, 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 I do not ascribe to the idea when people start doing it. We different now. We we ain't standing for this and standing for that. And I'm like, yeah, maybe. But if you really think you're the first one that wanted to throw a brick, like you know, I I would encourage you to do some more reading, <laughs> do some more outreach. Like go go sit down with some more people because there's a lot more people that was down to throw a brick at different times and threw bricks at different times and trying to insert, you know what I'm saying, their self, their sense of self and agency, but then also, you know, made other decisions based on the time frame and their circumstances. And, you know, I think that there's a, yeah, so that's my kind of closing thought, you know, on, on, on that, on the episode. Yeah. No, but you. So the other thing, I guess that happened this week in the world of uh, black exceptionalism, there's a song. <laughs> Um, it's it's a I guess how do we say is it a DJ Khaled song featuring Nas and Jay Z? It is definitely DJ Khaled. That is yeah. in the Beehive. Don't forget the Beehive. And the Beehive. Oh, the Beehive's on it too. Yeah. Is, oh, that's it. She's not down with the Killer Bees. That's that's the Putin. No, the that's the that's the Hive. Yeah, just the yeah hive. that's the Hive. Yeah, the Hive. They just <laughs> Hive, but they don't buzz. That's right. So the Sorry Not Sorry song, and and I mean I got a couple places, but I'll I'll start with uh. I guess maybe let's start with the content of the song and then we can get sort of the, the, <laughs> the other parts. Because there's definitely a interesting phenomenon with it that like, and I think it's been a repeat criticism, especially I think more of Jay-Z than Nas um, do even on the 444 album where it was sort of like this dude just making records about him being rich, but like different. Because he was making records where he was talking about he had lots of money. But before he was talking about it because he was hustling, and now he's talking about it because he's a businessman. Apparently, we think one is better than the other, or one is more authentic <laughs> than the other, or more, I don't know, palatable. Um, but I guess what was your <laughs> what was your first sort of feedback or thought about like and so you know, you know, you know. We're old enough that we remember a time where there was a song that came out that you couldn't find and a friend of yours had to help you find it or you had to stay up and listen to a radio station to like hear the song and hopefully they played the song. 
So we're mm-hmm. not at that place anymore, and that's fine. <laughs> um, now it's now it's here's the video. It's going to drop at twelve midnight, upon which I'll be at rest. So I'll wake up and hear it at five o'clock in the morning, right? So mm-hmm. they dropped the song, and you know, it is what you would expect from to me a forty-seven-year-old man and a fifty-two-year-old man mm-hmm. that are rich, mm-hmm. general braggadocious about how rich they are and how much they've done for other people and how you can't mess with them and how they're rich. (laughs) And so for me, as a 44 year old man that, I mean, I've had to come to terms with both of their output as this is where they are. And as people who have had 20 some years of, you know, 25 and some almost 30, but between between them both, basically 30 years of output recording, right? Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. That's fine. (laughs) You know what I mean? Like, I don't know if if someone wrote books for 30 years, I don't know if the book that's written in year 30 is going to be as good as the book that's written in year five, right? That's that's fair. I think sometimes you might be like, oh, okay, this is, you know, and especially, and I know you're going to talk about hip hop as a young man's game. So, I just was like, okay, it is what it is, right? Like, you know, uh, I didn't listen to it expecting the deepest dexterity of sorts. Yeah. And, and and that was sort of one of the things, I guess, and it might just be where I'm at in the world, where, like, if I you told me that, oh, it's Jay-Z, like, I'm not like, oh, man, they about to say that the rap that's finally going to break the seventh seal. Like, I'm, I'm like suspecting that's a rap song that I might like. Like it might be, and it might be a transcendent, like message, right? But it also might just be a hip hop song. Like it, it's it's a song they was both on it. It's good that they was able to find the the, the to live long enough to find you know you know twenty years later that they could be on a song together and not be you know old ass men you know or as I like to say middle aged men I guess would be better young old men uh, arguing about stuff like it's still 1998 or 99 whenever their initial uh you know you know uh, right personal uh, conflict <laughs> occurred right like i didn't expect it to be like oh man it's gonna be like the song when i hear this that's gonna be it like i ain't, I ain't gonna never need to hear no more hip-hop songs like nah like it might be really good or it might be like crazy like okay <laughs> like, like like crazy okay and i think the <laughs> the interesting challenge was this old to this idea of exceptionalism is people being like so Jay-Z and Niles do another song about being rich. Now, okay, they're rich. So, uh, you know, our, our, our Gordian knot here is, do they do a song about not being rich? Do you want them to do a song about their dedication to the Black community? Do you want them to do a song about their kids? Would that, would that be cool? Do you want Jay-Z to do yet another album about his relationship? Like... <laughs> What 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 do you want from these men? And if they did something that was different, do you want them to do something that's inauthentic? Right? Mm-hmm. Like if Nods is a, is a playboy, do you want him to do a song like he's not a playboy? Is that authentic? Right? And so, but it also thought it took me back to this idea of capitalism and this exceptionalism, right? To your point. Okay, they're talking about being exceptional. But they're kind of exceptional. <laughs> and so yeah. should we are we angry at them for doing another song about exceptionalism with an exceptional 
guy that's also rich from keep yelling on the music, right? And putting songs <laughs> together, DJ Khaled. Like, so Khaled. three exceptional <laughs> DJ, three exceptional motherfuckers on a song. Like, okay. And an exceptional singer, James Falterroy, and B and B saying, hey, and singing on the end, right? Like <laughs> a, a whole bunch of exceptional motherfuckers on a song talking about being exceptional. And what do we expect? Right? Like, what is our expectation as and I think you said it the best, and I'll let you add on about it. Is what do we expect from a young person's game that is no longer a young person's game? Because, because I think I think I would be safe to say and and right walk with me with this. All right, for the last, especially the last two to three years, we've it's depending on what you intake in terms of social media and 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 uh, entertainment media coverage, the lauding the financial investment decisions of of not just Nas, of, of many artists. Like it's become a feature of news stories, right? Where you'll be, oh, this person, he's invested in this thing, or he has 15, uh, what's, what's those, Rick Ross got the, uh, the wing. Wing stop. He got <laughs> mad wing stops. Uh, Shaq, you know what I'm saying? Jumped in on the board at, at, at Papa John, not Shaq's, I mean, I guess Shaq is a rapper. You got a rap. He had, he had one good verse. He had a couple good verses. No, he did. No, Shaq was all right. <laughs> Shaq, Shaq was trying to do his thing. You know what I'm saying? He was better at basketball, but that's all right. You know what I'm saying? You can be a musician and be better at basketball. Um, like, so if this is a part of their narrative now, and, 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 and I think it has been established that at least for some segment of the rap listening audience, that being black people or the, the traditional audience maybe as we might frame ourselves and the x the x the other side of the audience we might we might not i don't know how we see that um but we you know we all know we're not the only people that buy these people's records them we can't write an article telling man Nas made good decisions investing in i think uh coinbase cryptocurrency crypto and then he make a rap about getting investment money and then we'd be like oh come on Nas. We tell us about that investment money, man. We can't relate to that. I'm like, well, what we gotta make, we gotta pick a team here. <laughs> like, we you, you can't tell them that you did a good you did a good thing with the money you had, meaning you didn't uh, take all your money and, and uh and run it as as my grandma would say, on fast women and and, and 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 booze. But then on the other side, you uh not to say that anyone that that construct of women is is you know was up for my you know, I don't know, that's what my grandma used to call fast women. That was a category. I'm just saying, <laughs> right out there. It's what it was. Yeah, it's what it was. Yeah, I'm saying like that. The idea that you know we 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 do restate that like raps a young game. I know that was some of sort of the criticism. And 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 to 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 Gilly's point, the song is a little sleepy. <laughs> it's it's right. not necessarily like oh man, Justice is about to bang out this extra set of pushups because because the sorry not sorry came on. Like although you know I I've learned that any song that I like I will work out to. Even like Sade or you know or, or, or something extra mellow. Like if I'm already working out, it's too late. Like you can't stop it. <laughs> you know what I'm saying with the general idea that like it is not a it is not a song that I would expect a like I mean, not all or maybe the 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 I don't know, name of the little little baby fan. You right. know what I'm saying? To hear that song and be like, oh man, I'm off this little baby. I'm on to this Nas and jay-z let me hear the rest of their catalog based on hearing this song but i think the idea that actually and, and I, our generation i mean i would think actually even in the moment of the of the of the those who passed in the last year 
and their relative age to understand that as as a as a genre of music, it is a music of people who are now in their forties and fifties and sixties. Mm-hmm. It, it wasn't maybe in nineteen eighty six, but it sure as hell is now, right? And, and there's there's young people, there's younger people artists, and then there's you know older people artists or artists that you know you knew them because they were your groups when when you were young. So I did I, I think the the idea that I mean I think. I think being, I think doing hip hop and becoming like super famous, like where you could like cross over into like the pop, you know, just to where you're just a giant recording artist, I think is probably a young person's, young man's game, young person's game. Mm-hmm. But, but being a hip hop artist, especially if you're already established and even if you were older, if you had the right, you know, you figured out what your, what your, what your product was and what your genre was and who liked it, you know, you probably could make a living as a, you know, a, a middle income, you know, entertaining performer. You know what I'm saying? Like, I, there's plenty of people. I mean, I, there's folks who I would buy your record if I like what you do. Right now, you, like I said, you may not ascend to the Olympian heights. Like, you're not going to ascend to the. Oh man, he sold. He had a hundred million spins on the on the on the streamings. Like, right. not going to see that. But it's just, and I don't know. You know, I think we just don't talk about music in that way, right? We we think about it's like one scale. And then, and that's it. You know what I mean? Because there's plenty of new dude music. Like I'm just totally not interested. You know what I'm saying? When a dude hey. rhymes like this, and it goes with the one for the fist, and then I'm gonna get a kiss, and then I'm gonna throw this lift. Like I don't hear none of them songs. Y'all keep all of them. <laughs> I'm well, good. And, and that's the thing. Like part of it is, it isn't for you. We just have. Yeah. We're just not used to. We're not used to the genre kind of constructs that start to happen, right? Like, always think about, at one point, jazz was a young person's game, mm. right? At one point, you were 17-year-olds getting in somewhere to hear John Coltrane, to hear Mingus, right? Mm. And the next thing you know, 15 years from then, it became old people's music, right? By the time we came of age, jazz was for old people. Yeah. But then, yeah. obviously, but then, obviously, there were some people who were young who were still doing jazz, and then there's hey now you got Robert Glasper who's still probably for middle age folks but you get my point it's like yeah. so I think with, with hip hop it's like one of those things of most art forms or most genres of music we call it art form or not that evolve over time and start to reflect the space and time it's in and when you're not in that space and time unless it's really well done it makes sense why we wouldn't like it because it's not well done right uh for the life of me, and even though Young Thug's not really young per se, Young Thug makes extremely interesting music, although I'm not necessarily interested in it. So I can say that. Like, I listen to Young Thug, like, man, that was interesting. I don't want to hear that before times. But damn. That was something That was something different there, right? Or right. even Lil Durk in his, in his own way. Like, oh, I don't want to play that again. That's... That's kind of like listening to Prodigy over and over again in the 90s. But hey, I can't say that it's not an interesting music. To me, some of that stuff they come up with now has become like the blues. Me and Niles Vaughn often talk about this, that like because of the, some of the drug usage and some of the melody stuff, that a lot of the, the art, a lot of the music that's being produced now was essentially almost like rap blues. Like 
Mm. I'm depressed. I got Percocets. I got a whole bunch of money. I just did something real strange. I'm not really happy, but I'll shoot you. Like, you know what I mean? <laughs> so it's like, mm-hmm. oh man, this kind of sounds like like the blues. Like, <laughs> like right. Right. okay. I hear that. Like, I hear that. My girlfriend, you know what I'm saying? My woman just left me, but I just took another woman out of town. Like, okay, this is all right. Like, you know right, what I mean? Right. I'm so trying to console my feelings with, with bad choices. <laughs> exactly. I console my feelings with bad choices of alcohol and drugs. Right? Which we've had generations of black music that's talked about yeah. that. Right. And so again, there was a lot of blues music. A lot of it wasn't good. Some of it really was, right? And so I I think going back to this whole Jay-Z and Nas thing, it's like. We like you do you like you said we we laud their exceptionalism, but then question their musical output, but to not acknowledge that there's a relationship between their exceptionalism, their business acumen, and their musical output would be to be naive. Mm-hmm. We're talking about again, people who spent 30 years, much of the last 30 years making quality music, at least for 20 of them from 90 to 2010 or 11, even 15, depending on how you want to talk about it, that made quality music, right? Uh, in, the, in the pantheon of rappers for, throughout life. They now spend their time talking about business deals, uh, doing advertising, making more money. So when they go in the studio, it's not going to talk about anything other than Sweet Chick, Hennessy, <laughs> uh, eating at Michelin restaurants. Because what does Nas do? He tends to his businesses and he eats at Michelin restaurants. And I respect right. it because as a 44-year-old man, I don't know what else you want him to do. If he told you that he was involved with criminal activity or he wanted to crush another <laughs> MC, both of those are unrealistic for him at this juncture. So I don't want to hear him say anything that's unrealistic. Right. When rappers bear their feelings, we often knock them. Again, when Jay-Z, and I didn't like these albums, but when Jay-Z started to bear all his feelings and talk about all his problems, it's kind of like, uh, okay. Like, you know what I mean? Like, so then he goes back to being like, I'm rich. I drink Japanese whiskey on a, on a patio, like on a balcony. Okay. Right. I mean, I get it. It's, it's aspirational for still a certain group of people as two rappers who became aspirational. Both of them didn't start as aspirational, but both artists became aspirational at some point in their music. Right. Both of them start to talk about aspirational things. Both of them at one point were very good, quote unquote, street reporters. Jay-Z switched first. I would argue Nas switched second, a little mm-hmm. later. They've been producing aspirational hip hop since the Jay-Z 1996. It was an aspirational world many people could not access, mm-hmm. talking about the streets. And Nas talked about aspirational elements soon after. Um, so I just think it's foolish, you know. I think so. I think it's the it's the the that kind of issue around exceptionalism, where it's like you want people to be exceptional, but if they talk about their exceptionalism, you know what I'm saying? It's like this idea of wealth in America, like be wealthy but don't talk about it, and then we we privilege that, mm-hmm. right? Like we you talking about how Bill Gates doesn't dress well. Where at this juncture is my like, is it Bill Gates? Is that a thing of honor or he just doesn't, he didn't dress well his whole life. And so could I honor the fact that he doesn't dress well? Like, should I honor the fact that his suits don't, like his suits don't fit? Uh, I don't know if that's like the number one thing I should be respecting about him. You see what Mm -hmm. I'm saying? But I think for a long time, it's been this idea of no, 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 no. Don't, 
Don't talk about your wealth because that's not what wealthy people do. No, that's not what some wealthy people do. Other right. wealthy people talk about being wealthy so they can become more wealthy with other wealthy people. <laughs> mm-hmm. Right. You know. Yeah, they spend a lot of time <laughs> keeping their wealth, doing what they need to do to be in the wealthy in the wealthy people world. And, exactly. And doing wealthy people things. Um, and uh, actually, that that uh, joint that uh, podcast you had said with Paul Judge and uh, the brother of the cat uh, that was host, and they was talking about like, yeah, now that I've done all these things, people giving me free stuff all the damn time, expensive free things. Like, oh, you want this? You want to try these on? You want, hey, can I send you some of this? I'll, I'll send you a sample. Like, take go to these toys. And it's like, I don't need it. The other people needed that. Right. <laughs> I needed that when I was broke. <laughs> right. Like, I appreciate it. You know what I'm saying? But 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 again, it's the idea that there's um there's more reward in ingratiating yourself with someone that has something, especially something substantial to give, right? Or to contribute, you know what I mean? And necessarily the the what is remembered or the goodwill that one might receive, you know, given to those who, you know, that one, maybe not where that weren't asking for it, but two also are just not necessarily a position where they're going to take that, you know, whatever that is, and then like move it someplace else, right? You know what I'm saying? And it's a very strange, especially now I think it's, it's hyper elevated with the structure of where um, if you transcend a certain economic, space every aspect of your personal life that other people can see can become a bridge to opportunity for someone else <laughs> you know what I'm right. so like they're like oh i saw you know what's his name he had on you know a mose bows you know the, the young brother the bow ties i think out of memphis or, yeah. or nashville like he had on a mose bows tie right and then suddenly mose bows gets you know usher 50 percent in sales that day Right, just because some person that people know went outside and someone told people that that tie came from that, right? So there's, it's a weird, it's, a, it's an interesting feedback loop in terms of opportunity, um, which, which without a certain sense of whatever your own um, you know, value system and, and, and moral compass, so to speak, you know, it can be very easy to get sort of pulled off into a whole set of behaviors and outcomes that maybe you don't agree with, but would be present and prevalent, you know what I'm saying? And, 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 in that space and so you know listen all of us don't make money in construction (laughs) or tech like there's some space like okay well you know he makes money in construction so he just wears overalls all day okay but there's a lot of other people that need to get dressed up to go into a room with a banker white and black right like in brown and in asian you know what i'm saying like everybody can't afford to not look like they have on something expensive because those things still send off messages people Mm -hmm. who don't have to like it but it still sends off messages to other people, right? And the messages you need them to receive. The same way you shake a, shake somebody's hand when you walk in the room, like, oh, okay, brother, know the handshake. You know, it sends a message. When someone say, "What school did you go to?" sends a message. When where did you eat last night? sends a message. If people think you paid attention to how you presented yourself in front of them, whether that's some sort of weird pair of sneakers that no one's ever seen before, you know. At some point, yeah, we got to talk about this this whole sneaker culture thing. But like, <laughs> oh, yeah, um, we should definitely. But like, that. <laughs> you know, whether it's that or a wall appointed suit that said, you know what, when I got here, I cared about how I came in here and how I was perceived in order to have this conversation with you, right? Mm-hmm. We can't downplay that and say that those things don't matter because very too much like your point in the real world they do. 
in trying to present to people that in the real world that doesn't matter, you're lying to them, right? And just because someone's wealthy doesn't mean it still doesn't matter. You got to be real wealthy for it not to matter. And I don't think that them guys are as wealthy as <laughs> so wealthy that it doesn't matter yet. Like it's <laughs> like Jay, you know what I mean? It still might matter for Jay Z because at the end of the day, he is selling culture, right? And I think that's the very interesting thing about him. He creates value in culture and then sells it to companies. Yeah. When it's beneficial to them to buy it from him because he created the value. Yeah. And again, you might not like that model, but it is a firmly American entrepreneurial model where, hey, I made something famous. Guess what? Give me 10x what I really made off of it last year. Cool, because that company's going to take it in, not remind anyone that Jay Z's not involved anymore, <laughs> and keep making money. Yeah. No one's going to remember now that he doesn't own Do Say 100%. Right, right. No one's going to get rid of title because he sold it to Jack Dorsey. Man. He created he created value. He made money off the value. Yeah. Like, and so yeah, he's going to talk about those things specifically him and Nas because they get brought into worlds because of the value they create through culture. Yeah. Yeah. And and then the. I mean, I, I, I'm, I'm interested in just if someone from the journalism world has done like a deeper dive on the phenomenon of like entertainment and sports figures, like being seed investors. Mm-hmm. Uh, like, like I'm, I'm really, I, I mean, I guess free idea, P- feel free to take it. If you're someone out there that, that does that type of work, I would totally read your book where you, you know, did, did the deep dive over the last 15 years, you know what I'm saying, of that phenomenon and, and the implications of that, you know what I'm saying? Because I think that that is a, a I mean, you know, maybe a, a positive thing from just the general idea, I think, was more that the fear of our age when we were younger men that like, oh, if you got this confluence of money, you know what I'm saying, in, in, in those fields, that there were people that wanted you to invest in stuff, but it was mostly stuff that was not good stuff. <laughs> right, right, like, right. The theory, like now, that's like, oh, you can like, you know, get in on the ground on, you know, some ended some entity that might become very wealthy, you know, or very big later. You know, what I'm saying, like, you know, you know again, the, the whole question of is that a good or a bad thing is, you know, not being part of the the analysis here, just being that it's a thing and it grows based on you know whatever it is, and but 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 the phenomena, right, and then that that being what's built into the expectation of someone who is especially in in those industries that are industries that if you do well you know those that do well suddenly have a whole lot of money (laughs) right where they had no money and then it's like oh you got a whole lot of money you know what i'm saying there's not much of a middle class in there where you you, you're over you know i did well but you know i just i'm right here in this nice i got i got a nice uh mid you know 150 to two hundred thousand dollars a year sort of cash flow situation happening like it's either lots of money or right. we never you know we just struggling. <laughs> and, and the only people I would argue the only people who have had, that find themselves in that middle class situation, I argue, but add on, are probably the people with the people who have been making all this money. Right. So for example, right, right. if it's Emory Jones or if it's all the people that Jay-Z took with him, right, they are right. probably in a very good class, but not super rich. Right. Yeah. 
but they're in a good class because again, he created businesses that multiple people have access to, which is honestly a little different than the conversation we had around tech, say what you will, but it's like, okay, if, if Jay-Z in particular, like Nas kind of more has that traditional tech kind of engagement, Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Yeah. But you know, but listen, he also has mass appeal records. He, I mean, he has multiple businesses. But it's like, if you're Jay Z, all the guys with you and women with you, specifically women, because there's a lot of women who are really important to Jay Z's success that are not talked about. Mm-hmm. Um, y'all might make seven hundred fifty thousand dollars a year, right? Y'all might make a million dollars a year. Which, and again, the space where your man's worth a billion, maybe that's not a lot. But to the rest of us, you're in the one percent. Right. Yeah. Hey, in right. case you didn't know. Right. And so we need to stop acting like about he only makes seven hundred fifty thousand dollars. Okay. Hey, look, man. All right. Let me get three hundred seven hundred fifty thousand dollars years in a row. They'll right. say, like <laughs> change you know, the whole trajectory of your family. You that's what, what I'm saying. saying. So I, I think like the the broader idea, going back to this kind of song and the ethic of people having a challenge around what they're saying, is one. Let's make no mistake. These are business decisions that both of them made, mm-hmm. right? This is a decision. Hey, man, we're both getting rich recently. We should do a song talk about how rich we are. Cool. Yeah. <laughs> hey, you know we should do it on a song that some the 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 self the self constantly self effacing nonstop promoter Khaled. Cool. Right. Right. And so he's going to make this song big, and therefore we're going to be able to talk about how we made money and more people are going to want to do business with us because in their minds, you are now engaging in a world similar to the construct of these business spaces where not a lot of us are. Hence, Nas's line, you know, trying to make it so there's more of us, right? Mm-hmm. And so... You know, I again, rap should not teach your kids. So if you don't like what they're saying, then put on MF Doom. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like, like you know what I mean? If, right, if, right. You, if you don't like what they are communicating to you, then there are a lot of artists who will give you a different message. Right. However, right. the message is not inauthentic because it's not your experience or because of your nascent take on capitalism, right? Mm-hmm. It is, it are those industries. Now you can evaluate the cannibalistic nature of capitalism as you will, but it doesn't make what what two almost, <laughs> what two middle-aged men are talking about. <laughs> right, right. You know what I mean? Like, Ooh. so, yeah. Most definitely, all right. Well, I mean, with that, I mean, you know, like, as I always say, take the best part for yourself, man. <laughs> Go check it out. And if you like it, like it. If yeah, you don't check, like it, it, check like both it. out. They're sleepy. I mean, that song's sleepy. The the, the show is not. But the, but the song, the song, the song is, the song is it's a bit sleepy. I mean, you know, it's definitely made to be sipping some sort of alcoholic or non-alcoholic drink for those who are doing, doing bar take. Uh, two, it's not... It's not getting you up in the morning. It's more like nighttime, sleepy time. Music. Yeah, yeah. It's more like uh, you know, mellow, make smooth type, type, type energy. But yeah, man. All right, all right. Well, so until next time, with that, I'm gonna say peace. Peace. Thank you for listening to Good Brothers. Thank you to my good brother, I'm Majestic. Thank you to you for listening. 
uh, Good Brothers is produced uh, as a part of or within the realms of the Ash Head podcast uh, and within the, you know, the long-standing relationship me and my good brother Majestic. Uh, if you want to support the podcast, one of the best ways to do so, one, is just by sharing. Uh, you know, we want more people listening, uh, giving feedback. Uh, you can also support by becoming a patron uh, on Patreon. Just search up Ash Head and you'll find our Patreon page. That is where you can feel free to contribute uh, to keep the production costs and what have you, you know, in check. Also, you can support by hitting the Etsy shop, buying a sweatshirt or t-shirt, the arts and culture, some other things will be coming, making that whole reality a little bit more interesting in the coming months. But anything, man, you know, peace and shouts, loves out to to the people of Atlanta, um, who were sort of the focus of this conversation, but peace and love to black people everywhere. Uh, please be safe out there. Uh, you know, you know, do the best you can. With that, I'm going to end this and I'm going to say peace.